Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today we're going to be talking uh, DM 101, dealing with player schedules. Uh, basically creating a schedule that works for all your players or figuring out how to run a game when not everyone is there. Today we're going to be talking to our friend Anna Bromberger. And uh, Anna, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, my name's Anna. I'll be guest DMing this session. Uh, sorry, I mean, I'll be the guest DM for this session. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I have about a decade and a bit's worth of experience DMing. I, during that time, ran a campaign that lasted three and a half years with six players, all of whom were working shift work at the time, except for one fellow who worked Monday through Friday, which actually kind of made the entire thing <laughs> gel less. So, uh, yeah, player scheduling was a, was a big problem for a long time. And, uh, and yeah, tried a bunch of different things to make it work. Cool. So what are some of the ways that you uh, deal with a player's character when the player can't make it? I think there's pretty much uh, two ways in-game to handle it. Uh, and it really comes down to whether or not the character remains with the party or goes somewhere else for that session. And you don't have to, to set yourself up for being just one or the other. You can really adapt and create blends to, to make everything kind of gel a little better. But, sort of uh, depending on the player in question or the character yes. in question. And also, your players also have preferences for how their character is handled when they're not around. And I think there are probably like three hard and fast rules about how to handle a character just not being there. All right, well, let's go over those rules then. Uh, I think the most important thing is uh, sort of player agency over their character. Characters are something that a player really kind of puts a lot into, and they become very attached to them. So one of the first things you really have to address is what is going to happen to that character, and I don't think it should ever really be a surprise. Like, you should always have options, and your player should know ahead of time. Even if it's something, like, really cool that you've, you've planned, you know, say... Thrognar is up against a demon and you want to have him be possessed and the DM will take control of him and make him do terrible things. It's a bad idea to not tell Thrognar's player that he's going to be possessed and doing terrible things because that can cause some fallout at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one thing to do that to the player while they're at the table because then they get to kind of act that out and try and oppose it. Yes. But if you just do it to them, that's, yeah, I can yeah, see no. how that would lead to a problem. And a lot of people are totally cool with having their character be possessed and not have memories of what happened during that session because that can be kind of a fun thing to role play. But it's a little different when they actually haven't been given that heads up because, you know, the demon that's possessing them isn't held accountable. He doesn't... It's not something that he can go up against. The DM who's playing the demon, you can phone them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, I think, one of the most uh, important kind of aspects. Okay, so number one, player agency. What about rule number two? 
Rule number two, I think, has to do with being fair. Um, making sure that uh, you have sort of guidelines that you've put in place ahead of time to make sure that you actually have like a, a system that your players understand and know that you're trying to address, you know, having everybody at the table as much as you can and not having one person who's singled out who isn't playing with you as much. Because I think that's pretty much a, a, a basic. People want to know that they are valued in your game. Mm -hmm. And number three, I think, is probably the most basic. It is player, player character safety. Having a player character die while the player character isn't in control, it just, it, it sucks. It, I've never had it happen because I think it, it just kind of goes without saying, but having some sort of player uh, character immunity mm -hmm. while they're away from the table is a really important tactic to take so that they know that when they come back to Thrognar, you know, he's... He's still there, he's not still there. rotting in the ground. That's I think that's one of the things I've seen most online. Like, one of the biggest causes of, like, DM player antagonism is players complaining about the DM killing their character when they weren't there. Oh, wow. That actually happens, huh? Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Most often the advice I see is literally either that player character just disappeared out of the dungeon or didn't wake up that morning, slept in, or they were just invincible. They should just be invincible for that session. Like, they should not die because like coming back to finding out that your, your character, that you've put a whole bunch of, maybe not blood, sweat, and tears, but close into, yeah. <laughs> is... Um, it's demoralizing. Yeah, you can put some blood into it. You know, you <laughs> cut yourself on the edge of the yeah. character sheet. Paper, okay, paper cuts are a thing. What we usually do in ours is he's off fighting other enemies in the background that aren't on the map. <laughs> or alternatively, if we if a combat the DM doesn't have time to change the combat to make up for the new balance, someone else runs him, and if he's unconscious, he just automatically saves and is stable but unconscious. Yeah. The, the death immunity clause can sometimes uh, work out that way. And there's there's some benefits to it. Yeah. But I think... I've never had it happen, but it could be open to abuse from players. I've yeah. never, never dealt with players who are, you know, that well, terrible. It, 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 <laughs> if, 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 you're, if the players know that they're about to go up against a big bad guy and, like, three of them are like, oh, sorry, can't make it next session, it's like... Okay, we're playing board games until you guys can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think alternatively, there's the chance of the whoever's running the character for the person, if it's not the DM, you know, yeah, taking like, risks with them that they might not necessarily yeah. do. All of a sudden, yeah. your your rogue is a kamikaze with a grenade strapped to his back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that falls under player immunity too. It's like, no, <laughs> you can't do anything that would obviously get the character killed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, keeping an eye out and maybe Bulgaria not having them go quite so crazy, maybe well, putting a stop to that, it's like, sorry, no. Yeah. And I mean, that's also a matter of knowing your players and being like, okay, well, X player I know is responsible and reasonable. We'll get him to run the character. He'll just, like, do basic combat. Probably won't burn any of the big spells. <laughs> just let them be a body in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually something that I'm dealing with right now because I've got one player who's going to be away for a few months and he'll be back in town every now and then but like I've debated like DMPCing, handing them to another player and for now I just went with character went somewhere else for a while. 
that's a reasonable tactic to take. And you can actually kind of write them some interesting stuff that they did while they were away. Yeah, and I'm kind of doing that, like, just, you know, throughout the week on Facebook, just being like, this is what your character was up to today. Mm. Um, and I've seen some interesting solutions. Like, one of the things I saw in Critical Role was when one of their players had to move to New York because she got a job out there. Occasionally she'd be able to Skype in, and because she was a cleric, it was just like shining shimmering form of character appears and it's just like <laughs> you know spirit avatar of player and then like when the session is over like oh she disappears bye like uh-huh. but like that's one of those things that like <laughs> if you're lucky enough to be playing like a wizard or sorcerer like somebody who has access to magic that might work but like yeah you're like you know rogue who doesn't know what mad like barely knows what magic is or a barbarian like a dumb barbarian like no it's not going to work. We actually had some fair success with, uh, we called it Gordon in a Box, because we had a friend of ours who uh, went off to uh, do electrician work all over the province. And so for about a year, uh, he was there in Skype form. So we, we found later on, I think, that it's hard to tell in retrospect what, what parts of the game Gordon was actually there for and what parts he wasn't. Because as long as you have someone puppeteering him properly, and he was fully corporeal in-game, too. We made that work. Yeah, I, and doing the Skype thing is something I'd like to... We can come back to later, because I've got questions about that. <laughs> um, but when you've got somebody who is a regular player in your game, and they know that they're going to have to miss, like, two or three sessions, like, several sessions in a row, how do you deal with that kind of thing happening? Uh, one of the things I like to do is kind of head it off at the pass. Uh, one of the things that I find that people really appreciated uh, was if I had a character who missed a game, uh, or player, sorry, player, character, it's going to get a little dicey. <laughs> just, just use them interchangeably. interchangeably it's Fair fine. enough. <laughs> so if I had a, a player who was going to be missing a game, I would try and focus on them the next time I scheduled things. Okay. So they became my next priority. If I had an issue with some of my other players, but it lined up for the person who missed the last session, the rotation kind of kept everyone engaged. Okay. So it's it's one way to kind of tackle that. Another way to kind of deal with it, because character players, uh, when the player has vast gaps in their memory, but their character was actually there with the party, it doesn't... It kind of divorces the player from the character a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that could be a good idea to do is write them a side story. Actually physically not have them there in the in the party. Right. The more heads up your players can give you for their absences, the more you can really work with it and the cooler stuff you can do. So then how do you go about scheduling around players or, or if you yourself have like an inconsistent schedule? Mm. Like, my understanding of your guys' game is that it is a bit more troubled. It's not, like, a consistent, like, every week, every other week on this day. No, no. It, uh, we tried to aim for two weeks, uh, but that realistically would oftentimes turn into three, sometimes four. If I could get everyone around the table, I'd push for a week. Like, that would be fine. Like, as long as there was that promise of everyone being around the table, because you really shouldn't punish your players for being absent. Yeah. It's they're taking a hit for the team. Yeah, yeah. It happens and it happens and it sucks to be the person who's away. So, you know, you shouldn't really make that harder on them than it, than it already is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For an inconsistent DM schedule, your players need to be patient. That's pretty much all they can really do. The 
the show doesn't fly without a, a DM at the wheel, so. Yeah. For, for players, finding out what your ratio is of how many players are there and playing versus how many are away, something good to establish. Because if you're running with 50% of your party, that gets a little dicey. Yeah. Particularly if you're four players. <laughs> Spe- yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, when when you finally like schedule a day, like, you know, okay, I'm going to have three people. Like, how do you deal with altering encounters that you might have set up like a week ago and now you've got two fewer players or or you find out like the day before like oh one of them can't make it because of like important life reasons and now i have to like tone down a whole bunch of encounters um how do you deal with kind of like juggling the difficulty of the game so that the players at the table don't get thrashed well there's different approaches you can take for the the last minute flake there's not really a like it's not easy to write them sort of out of a game and it might not be possible if you're on the road there's no personal business that they can handle. So your only option might be to have that character sort of in the background as a ghost. And one of the benefits of having that sort of ghost player, Schrodinger's character who is both there and not there at the same time, is you don't really have to like adjust your numbers so much. Um, you know, you might have a bit of an issue with the people who are puppeteering him in combat not being as aware of all of the different things they can do right but the more that person has puppeteered them the better they understand what's going on so you know yeah and at the end of the day if they're not used to all of their abilities that just means that they don't use them and don't potentially consume like abilities or whatever if that session isn't one whole day with a long rest at the end exactly oh and side note consumable items don't let your players run through consumable items in a character's stash yeah. either because you don't yeah. want your players to hate each other either yeah. really you don't you don't want idea. you don't want the player who's away to suddenly become like the person who hands away freebies yes oh. his oh wait a second he became very generous last session and decided to pay for the rod of resurrection out of pocket <laughs> or similarly if they like have for example i have a character right now with a wand of wonders which i will almost probably never use because of some of the potential consequences, like, also probably don't let players use those kind of items yeah, where so. there's a randomized effect. <laughs> so maybe come down hard on, on usage of uh, any any vast gulps of wealth or consumable items, particularly in combat, does upset the balance maybe a little bit. But if you don't have that player there and you come up with a good reason for them to be absent, then one of the things you can do is play with your system. A little bit. Back in 3.5, you had five different monster manuals. So if you wanted a undead, big, nasty thing to come at your, your players, you had a plethora of options at a bunch of different, you know, CR ratings. It was great. It's like, okay, so maybe it's not the Charnel Hound. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. Maybe I don't like this option quite as much, but it kind of fits better with what I'm kind of dealing with with who's left right the other way is to kind of which i think is probably more applicable for fifth edition because there's not quite as much material out for monsters with variables and ratings um is just to tinker with your numbers a little bit maybe i think a good example is maybe what you're dealing with has an old injury that is acting up and it doesn't hit quite so hard right. or maybe you take away 
an additional attack that it might have. Maybe it only has, you know, one swipe of the claw and one bite instead of two swipes and one bite. It's difficult to balance, and I always kind of err on the side of maybe nerfing it a little too far instead of, you know... Well, at the end of the day, if the players have an easy combat, it's not really a huge loss for anybody, right? It, it's true. And, you know, you can definitely make some mistakes and maybe send them up against something that's slightly too hard for them, but it's already pretty hard to figure out what's going to hit a player character group really hard anyway, because everything's on a randomize. You know, we've had yeah. combats where we were, like, we thought we were gonna just pound it and the sturges took the way more out of our party than we thought they ever would <laughs> so yeah and I, i'm guessing that if you're using any kind of computer tools like if you're using cobalt fight club that it's probably a little bit easier to rebalance things but the idea of like taking away a few abilities taking away some hp that that's also seems like a really quick and easy way to tone down the challenge yeah. of fight it's sort of what I guess you do in like a, a video game. You just kind of tone the numbers down a little bit. So we've all kind of already covered when you have a last-minute cancellation. So <laughs> last-minute cancellations, it's just it's hard to do much with it. Yeah. Have you ever dealt with campaigns where like it's, it seems like your campaign it was mostly just like there might be one person missing from a session. Have you ever dealt with where the numbers were? varying wildly from session to session where like one session you have six people next you have two the next you have four <laughs> <laughs> well i never came down to two uh the game that i i ran ran huge and one of the things that actually kind of made it work was that we had six so if i had four players i would still run okay so that was kind of my my cutoff point because uh, I figured if I went down to 50%, then it kind of, you know, you really start to feel the absence of the people around the table. Right. So, you know, did kind of lead to maybe like a month or two where just everyone couldn't get around the table. Christmas kills games. I think yep. that's kind of a thing that just happens. So, you know, temporary hiatuses are a thing that you just kind of have to live with sometimes, even when employing these methods. Right. So... You've given us a lot of ideas on like how to deal with player schedules, people who can't make it, all that kind of stuff. What are some reasons that you might not want to run a campaign using any of these methods? Like I said, uh, or I guess I haven't quite said it yet, uh, there are players out there who cannot handle not being at the table. That is just a thing that some people have. You might try and implement these methods, Everyone might say that they're okay with it, and you find out after that person has taken their first time away, or a couple times after, that no, they are not okay with this being a thing. And you have to kind of be compassionate about that, because it oftentimes comes from kind of a very, like, vulnerable place. And, you know, sometimes it's not even really a vulnerable place, it's just they just can't handle it. So having... Uh, one player like that makes it very difficult to actually institute any of these things because then you have to either create a double standard, which people are not cool with, or, you know, you just have to really make sure everyone's at the table. I mean, you might be able to get a double standard to work. I have never fully managed it without ridiculous problems, but, you know, someone else might. Can you think of any character and not player reasons why needing to have everybody at the table is kind of a requirement of a campaign? Well, 
sometimes you have a, uh, a character or you have some stuff kind of lined up for a specific character, you know, to, to tie them into the world. You make something, you put something in their path that is going to be a big deal for them. It's hard to balance that with, a, with this kind of setup. It's possible. I mean, I, I certainly tried my best to make sure that, you know, when something was coming up even, I might have even told my players, it's like, hey, we're dealing with some pretty Miranda-centric stuff. So maybe we should prioritize her schedule and the last person who we and try and find the best balance between those two. So you do kind of sometimes have to tip your hand a little and, you know, show them your cards and say, hey, something cool is coming up. But that kind of fires up the person who really is looking forward to having something come up that involves their character. It's right. You've taken yeah. the time to write something cool for them. Well, that so. motivates them more to make their schedule work. Right? Yeah. Another thing is, is having players absent can kind of damage games that have a lot going on in the proper nouns category. Lots of, lots of NPCs and politics, um, maybe lots of kind of bizarre concepts because then you have to fill them in, but they never get the full picture like they would if they were there. Yeah, like a, a diplomacy-heavy game is, is hard to have somebody absent because it's like, yeah, you were off talking to the vizier for two days, I guess, or something. Yeah. Like... And I am probably notorious for uh, creating terribly just maybe overly complex games <laughs> in that that fashion with like a lot of people going on so scope is something i think that is a good thing to address when you're dealing with this so what are some methods in filling in those gaps in information then so uh there's a couple of different ways that you you can kind of keep everyone on the same page some of them involve a lot more work for the dm which is just kind of a thing on the more labor-heavy side of things, uh, there's a wonderful website called Obsidian Portal. Yes. <laughs> I love that site so much. I know. Creating wikis takes a lot of time, but it is good for games that have a lot going on in them to keep everyone on the same page. And writing small sort of journal entries is also a good one. My favorite is when the players actually write journal entries from the perspective of their characters because it I just I adore it. It is like the one thing that I just glom onto and I'm like, yes, take take XP rewards. Just just do it. Because, you know, you get your players reading them and everyone kind of remembers what's going on. And if you have a gap in your game, you know, going back and reading that can get you back into your character's headspace over a, an absence. Yeah. I found the problem as a DM trying to do that is I, I started out the campaign that I'm running right now. I've got an Obsidian Portal site set up for it. And when my work uh, didn't have very much for me to do and I could spend Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at work <laughs> writing up a post, it worked great. It kept everybody appraised of what was going on. Um, but as soon as I actually had stuff to do, and it's like, uh, I can only do this at night when I want to do other things. Like, it, it is a lot of work. It really is. Like, it... Because you got to sit down, you got to, you know, go, okay, here's here's so-and-so, here's his deal, here's where he comes from, and then you got to link it into the whole system of what you've put down and make it easy to find. you got to, you know, yeah. 
it, it's a talent in itself, I yeah. think. One of the things I've been thinking is actually using this microphone we're all sitting around to, <laughs> to record sessions so that I can refer back to them. Because that's my biggest problem is remembering what happened Ooh. when I'm trying to remember what happened and also plan for what's coming up the next session. Yeah, but then you might have the scientific problem of all behaviors alter when they're being when they know they're being observed and recorded. Yeah, I would make it very clear <laughs> that this is literally just so that I can write a post for them to remember, but yeah, it's I'm still trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, let me know how that works out actually. <laughs> but yeah, so the the whole wiki thing is is one way to kind of come at it. Um, I've never had a heck of a lot of success in getting my players to add to the wiki and kind of like help me keep it updated. I don't know if you've ever managed to get that to work. I'm actually thinking of trying to do that with this campaign because I feel like I'm throwing out a lot of information, especially when it's information off the top of my head. Like mm. I have like a rough outline for an NPC, but then a conversation happens. And then you alter that. Maybe yeah, it's just bit. like, well, I've got to cross this out. And, and I don't want to be sitting there because this is the problem with trying to keep players who have to miss something is like I don't want to be spending half of the time in the session writing down what's happening so I can keep people up to date mm. which is why I kind of I, I love the idea of character journals because then it's like then it's it's on the players just as much as it's on you yeah well and that's a cool thing is that um, your players everyone is very me centric in D&D so they'll remember the stuff that happened to them and they'll put that in there they, you also get the sense of who was there for what thing, who noticed what, who was oblivious to what, and you get like a really interesting kind of like different aspects all uh, of the the same events being, you know, recorded from all these wonderful different perspectives. And it also feels like a really good place to mine for ideas. Like, oh, they thought this. Maybe I can do something with that. Oh yes, the the wonderful thing about it is if you have a player who is wonderfully imaginative and maybe doesn't quite fulfill that imagination when they're around a table and like they're not very verbose or they don't really take a heck of a lot of actions that are kind of more on the quiet side maybe they have a heck of a lot going on on the inside about what they're thinking of and observing and seeing and they just haven't quite translated that but you can see it in a journal and yeah. it's a it's a really interesting kind of way to come at it I think it's also uh, an opportunity for players to explore their characters a bit more. Yes. Um, uh, alternatively to Obsidian Portal, if it's like something that you're finding is too much work, I've I've found that we uh, like our group has a Facebook group, like just a private one for the people in our in our weekly group, and we don't do it a lot because we're really bad for actually keeping track of it. But you can also just get people to put journal entries in a thread, and that requires minimal work from anybody beyond actually just writing it. Yeah, I mean. You'll definitely find that some players have, like, they love it. Some players, maybe they're only doing it because of social pressures, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I also feel kind of weird because, like, two of the characters, like, I'm running a game for five people, and one of them is away. So I've got four people, and two of them are not big on thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, a ranger, a fighter with some arcane stuff, and a barbarian and another fighter and the two fighter the fighter and the barbarian just they're the people that will run into a room even though when the players are like this is a horrible idea but my character is just going to run in and you know chop down the door it's like they probably don't write a lot anger <laughs> <laughs> flushes in maybe yeah. maybe they do or um, in the event of maybe you have a character that doesn't overthink things their journal can be maybe wonderfully concise. Uh, we've had characters who have written their journals in kind of like 
very short sentence stream of consciousness style of like they'll make notes during the session and they don't make much much sense out of context really but when they kind of put it into to journal style it's it's very like okay this character you know the thought process doesn't go so terribly deep but uh, that is kind of hilarious <laughs> <laughs> not a deep river <laughs> yes. yeah. well, it's like know. I didn't like his face so I bashed it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, if you have a player who doesn't want to write a lot, just, you can get them to do point form notes, even if that's just easier for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the the best part about talking about all this is I know that some of them listen. <laughs> <laughs> but if I want to, if I want them to start doing this, I'm gonna have to tell them before the episode is up. So. Oh, that's fair. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the more you can address when you start a game about sort of the things that you kind of expect with both, you know, scheduling, how you're going to deal with characters who are in the game, and, you know, what you kind of want from them, like, you know, character journals and, you know, wiki stuff and all yeah. that stuff. The more you kind of outline at the outset, I think the better success you'll have. Yeah, in- it. introducing it after the fact, especially now that we're a couple of months in, I think half a year, mm. I... It's a I little more difficult. Yeah, yeah, especially since I know that some of them do have like hectic schedules during the week, like they are busy with work stuff. So. Yeah, and that that's another thing is you know people have real lives too, so journal entries take time. You know you gotta write them, spell check them, get them out there. Or so. may, maybe not spell check them. I mean, it depends <laughs> on the character. Oh yeah, it depends on the character and the player. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you have a barbarian. Who really wants to, to sell the fact that he, <laughs> he is kind of illiterate. He wants to write. He just doesn't write good. Can't remember. Are barbarians still illiterate in 5th edition? No, everyone gets literacy, I think, now. There you go. Well, Across the board. It's, you can make it a character choice to not be, which I think is the better option, honestly. <laughs> so, I don't know how you want to like factor in the whole like illiterate character writing a journal kind of thing, but I'm fairly certain you can just, you know. Dictating to another character. Dictating to another character. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> I've never that, had that, that show up. Especially that if you really get neat. them to dictate take to the player playing that character and they yeah, can make and then alterations like their little to the footnotes notes. in the <laughs> journal like, this, of like brackets this didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> brackets this was his fault <laughs> brackets he's really overselling this for dramatic effect <laughs> so uh, we've talked about some of the problems for and like how to deal with them when players miss are there any have you found any benefits sometimes from having players drop out or for a session or two well there are some pretty cool things you can actually do with it if you're willing to put the, the foresight into it. And you can actually use player absences to kind of inject things into a game. Uh, maybe, for instance, you have a paladin or a cleric. Uh, maybe one of the reasons why that character splits off from the party is you enter a town and they go and liaise with their church. And maybe while they were there, they had a sensitive topic from their church that they didn't want the rest of the party in on so that player then gets his own little sort of side story that maybe can have little bits of information that they bring back to the party that can actually steer that party back on track if maybe they've flown in the complete wrong direction as we know players can sometimes do yeah i'm kind of doing that but it's with the campaign i'm running where like the character who's away he's been called away to go and liaise with the orcs and half orcs who aren't like crazy evil things in, in the world I'm running, but he has to deal with the fact that like he's been called back and he was exiled, and so like 
can kind of tell a story off on that side and maybe tie it back in, but it's a little rough because he's not coming back next session. It's mm. going to be a while, so we'll see well, how that runs. He, he can have, like, you don't have to necessarily roleplay every sort of thing that he did while he was away, yeah. but it could be good to really sit down with him and kind of determine what happens. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I think, too, playing on your example of a cleric or paladin who's out of the way for a couple of sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, deliberate there. If you have a, a party that is more mixed in like its morals and stuff like that, you can also have the opportunity for those players to act a bit more mercenary than they would, yeah. or maybe do things that the paladin wouldn't let them. Yeah, the babysitter's away, right? Yeah. So I, I feel... That, that one makes me feel iffy, though, because like if a player is away and they come back and found out that, like, the rest of the party got up to a whole bunch of stuff in character that their, their character would probably feel like, well, now I can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's, that's part of the thing. And like yeah. the other thing is their character might not know. Yeah. Like if, if it's more like, yeah, the rogue went and like burgled some asshole noble's house. This is one of the things that I think was a really good idea when they looked at fifth edition and made their paladins not have to like, force their code on everybody else. The oaths make so much more sense, and it means that you don't have to deal with as much of the, like, the paladin has to turn around so the rogue can do a thing. Yeah. Um, What are some advantages and disadvantages to using remote play methods like Skype or Roll20, if you've used any of those? Um, We didn't really use Roll20. we the the person that we had away uh, for the most part uh, we trusted him with his roles so I mean this was also back in two thousand and ten so I'm not sure roll twenty was Pre-roll it was probably 20. a thing it was probably a thing we just didn't bother with it um, another thing you can actually have is just have a puppeteer at the at the table you can have someone who rolls the dice right and you know as long as that is is you know a trustworthy thing everyone can see. That he rolled a twenty and he's or or a one. It's above board. How how has it worked for you for the player engagement side of things? Because I've run a game where one of the players was on Skype, and the player it's the same person who's away right now, and he's not doing Skype now because he he told me that it felt like he was left out of so many, so much of the conversation because mm. like he's just he's he's a screen basically. Yeah. He's not a person anymore when he's on Skype. Yeah, it's I think. The, the real difference is felt by the person uh, on the other end of the computer because when everyone's there with the, the computer, the fact that that person maybe doesn't speak up quite so much doesn't really play because you've got all this interaction around the table. So I took a, like a year away in Japan ages ago. People have edited, edited me into the picture. I have been to weddings that I wasn't there for. I, it's, it's a thing that human minds do. You, you take what's familiar and you kind of just plunk it in and you forget. But for that one person, they definitely remember that they were on Skype and they were doing this remotely and they didn't have that same sort of engagement. So. Yeah, and especially like with table talk and everything, it feels like with audio issues, especially if they're remote, remote, like not like here and in Abbotsford, but like here and in like way up north or something. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a very different deal than like playing with people on. Uh, roll 20 where like everybody has a decent internet connection mm. that could probably impacts things quite a bit we ran it pretty low tech uh when we did it we would have someone actually take the netbook and just point it at the map and you move the character for them and you know it was 
we'd have the discussion of, oh, hey, who is running the Gordon in the box today? So, you know, you'd have uh, sort of a, a team up between one one player and the person who was away on the box. Uh, I was going to say, I think systems like Roll20 kind of, kind of, they kind of more play to all of the players who's going to count, don't they? Yeah, that's, that's what I've seen. It, it, like, and I feel like that's the case for most remote play methods, Skype or Roll20 or anything, is that they work a lot better when everybody is remote because mm. as soon as you have two people in a room it's much easier uh, body language being able to get their attention like so many ways yeah. that being together kind of locks everybody else who's not sitting at the table out of the conversation it's true it's a lot of communication is just seeing what other people are doing you know where their attentions are is easy to gauge because you know you can see where, who they're looking at you know you can express with hands and the person who's on the other end of the computer doesn't have any of those advantages so yeah you have to be a little bit more careful with making sure that they know what's going on sometimes that's better than just not being there you kind of have to put up with it uh so anna what do you know now that you wish you could tell yourself back when you started DMing, especially with dealing with player schedules i would say definitely to not make anything ever a surprise for players who are away that's, I think, the main thing, because people can get pretty upset about things that you haven't disclosed to them, you know, little things, I guess, just to make your life easier in the long run. Fair enough. Yeah, Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming and talking to us. Um, I definitely learned a few things. <laughs> um, and for everybody that's listening, thanks for, well, listening. We've got a bunch of social media stuff. We have a Twitter account, Facebook group. Both of them are DMs of Vancouver. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, please share it with your friends because we're not doing any kind of advertising or anything like that. So this is well, not yet. <laughs> well, no, probably not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and please rate and subscribe and all that stuff. Yeah, help uh, help other people find us. And yeah, see you guys next time. Roll for initiative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>